0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com.
1: So week one is in the books. Yes, the Patriots win. They walk away with a 21-11 victory against the Miami Dolphins. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast is brought to you by BetUS. Support Boston Sports Journal by going to BetUS.com and get set up today. Be sure to tell them Boston Sports Journal sent you. We've got to start with Cam. Obviously, Greg, he's been the big story leading up to this game on Sunday. I thought he was terrific. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Nick, I thought um, for an opener, I thought in a new quarterback and a new system and everything, I think it went about as well as you could have hoped. I mean, yes, they only scored 21 points, but anybody who watched the game knows that the Patriots left a ton of points on the field, including, yeah. you know, Cam taking a sack on the edge of field goal range, just something that can't happen. Looks like there was some mix up on that play. Of course, the Nikhil Harry fumble out of the end zone inexcusable um led to a 15 point swing in the game uh you know i i thought that cam was really good i thought that i thought that the read option the zone read that stuff really worked well the dolphins had a tough time with it amazing reading some of the quotes out of miami after the game that they weren't really prepared for that kind of stuff I mean what did you think the Patriots were going to do run Tom Brady's offense you know with <laughs> Cam Newton I mean that that wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense I I thought that Cam at the end of the day I think he completed like 79 percent of his passes uh, you know I, I wouldn't say they were first of all they weren't very uh, a high degree of difficulty I think when I went and I graded my graded the film, and, of course, Felger loves to nice. yeah, I nice. have my shit Get sheet. the chart out. Get the chart um, out. <laughs> I don't think I had him for a plus throw in the game because huh. I, I didn't think any of them were that tough. I thought that the one really tough throw was more of an Edelman catch over the middle than um, a great Newton throw. I thought Edelman kind of bailed him out. I thought that there were a couple high passes, including the Edelman drop. Yes, it was a drop, but it also was – he was wide open in the middle of the field. He had to leave his feet. I'm not saying that Edelman shouldn't have, uh, that, that it was Newton's fault. No, Edelman should have caught the ball. He should have, but the pass should have been better. And then there was another throw to Edelman in the flat where it was high and Edelman took an unnecessary blow. And, and those are the type of throws you do get with cam and, it's something to monitor going forward. That's just when he misses, he misses high. And those passes could turn into turnovers. They could turn into uh, injuries uh, for some of the receivers and tight ends. But, you know, I thought all in all, I thought it was really good. I thought the offensive line played outstanding. We, you and I have talked about, <coughs> sorry, bully ball coming to New England. We saw that on Sunday. Yep. And um, the other thing about the offense is I thought that the Dolphins' defense – surprisingly given Brian Flores is the head coach, the former defense coordinator of the Patriots coordinated by Josh Boyer, former secondary coach with the Patriots. uh, I thought they really played in the Patriots hands and they made it a lot easier on the, on the Patriots than I thought they would. They played, they played a lot and we talked about it in the pod going into the game. I thought, the presence of cam newton would make teams especially the dolphins who are one of the highest percentage man coverage teams in the league i thought that cam's presence and the need to play him keep eyes on him would keep them out of a lot of man instead they were a man all over the place to the point where josh mcdaniels it was it was an easy time for him where he was just like okay well you're going to be in man I'm going to motion the back out of the backfield. That takes a safety out of the middle of the field, and then we're just going to run for an easy touchdown. So uh, I thought it was was good play. It was crisp. I really liked how simple the game plan was, a lot of power runs, very simple stuff that the Patriots could execute. And you compare that to – the later game, the Tampa Bay game, where they tried to get creative and Bruce Arians has to look like he's a genius, of course, and it turns into a complete crap show down in New Orleans for them offensively. And you just look at look at the difference in coaching. You look at Josh McDaniels or you look at Bruce Arians, and that was, to me, one of the biggest differences on Sunday altogether.
1: Yeah, and you look across the league. The coaching difference was obvious. I mean, you're watching the Patriots, right? they're mostly disciplined. I know there were a couple of PI calls. I thought you got hosed a little bit on at least one of them, but whatever. I mean, there's a couple of PI calls and we know were that's really on peed. Gilmore.
0: You thought they really got hosed. Come on now, Nick. No, no. I, I,
1: mean, I, I thought one or two of them were, you know, questionable, but whatever. I mean, that's how Gilmore plays. We know yep. Gilmore plays physical. That's how yep. he's on playing the edge his entire yep. career. Yeah. So he's, he's not going to change that. So, you know, aside from those PI calls, Man, the Patriots play disciplined football. If you watch Tampa to give, again, the comparison, Tampa's all over the place. Turnovers, penalties, just sloppy football, sloppy execution. And there you are. And we talked about this, Greg, before the season kicked off. One of the major, major advantages that I think the Patriots have on other staffs, and it won't be the case this weekend because I do think Pete Carroll is one of the better coaches in the league, But when you go against some of these teams, especially early on, the ability for Belichick, just know what he's doing and have a clear idea as to what they want to execute and what they want to do and accomplish. And we saw that. I also thought that, listen, I know that there are going to be issues with this offense, and we're going to talk about it, I'm sure. Like, can you play from behind the way they played on Sunday? And they're going to have to get more from the passing game. But after parachuting Cam into this offense – I thought their offense looked good. They looked ready. They knew exactly what they wanted to try to do. They did it over and over and over again. Miami, yes, they made it easier, but I saw a team that the offense was ready. They played disciplined football, and I also thought Belichick did a good job of you know rolling in those substitutions, something else you and I have talked about early on with no, you know, no joint practices, no preseason games, a condensed preseason camp and what you have is the ability to shuffle guys in and out. And if you look at the snap counts on defense, Belichick was constantly sending yep. substitutions in and rolling guys in, which I think, again, it goes into coaching. And he's thinking, first month of the season, these guys aren't going to necessarily have their wind and be
0: ready. Yeah, and I also thought it played into that, that they played the Dolphins. to And in a in a Dolphins team that uh, you know had a lot of changes, a lot of new personnel. They had – two rookies starting on on the offensive line, four new starters on the offensive line. Um, uh, Defensively, they had new uh, new people all over the place. I thought that the opponent, it was a good soft open for the Patriots in a lot of ways, and, and I think it played out that way. If they opened up with, say, Buffalo, would Belichick have done the same thing? You know, I don't know. That would have been a very big game and a must-win and, and, you know, the whole head-to-head in the AFC East. I think he might have played it a little bit differently, but I thought that the Dolphins uh, were a nice soft open and, and, and allowed them to do pretty much what they wanted to and it was a good base for week one, and hopefully they can build off it.
1: Yeah, we talk about their defense, Greg. Of course, we have Hightower out. He opted out. We have Chung opting out. And you have so many guys that are no longer there with the Van Noys and the Jamie Collinses. What'd you make of the defensive replacements, the guys that were in there? I mean, obviously, one guy that jumped out was Adrian Phillips. And I've got to give you some credit here, not blowing smoke up the us or anything. But you mentioned, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, I questioned you why you thought Terrence Brooks was not going to play a little bit more or be the guy back there. And you said... Well, you know, reading the tea leaves and how Belichick operates, even though Phillips has been banged up a little bit, they gave him money and they know what they want to do with that guy. And man, again, I'll give you credit, Greg, because football Sunday, game one, week one, there's Phillips playing a huge role in that secondary and as the hybrid linebacker kind of guy.
0: Yeah, and I think, Nick, that went into something that um – I guess I really didn't consider all that much going into this game, but I guess I should have. But, you know, you talked about rolling guys in. But what you also notice, if you look at the starting lineup and the guys who played early in the game and, like, you know, like Josh Uche not being uh, not being active for the game, one of their, t- their their number two pick in this past year's draft, uh, Belichick, of, he went with a ton of... Of veterans. I mean, yeah. when they rolled out there, there were no rookies on the field. Um, you know, there were no really inexperienced guys, and and I did think I thought the replacements did really well. I thought that Phillips certainly had his moments. He had some tough moments. He 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 had a couple missed tackles, and and when I when I did my evaluation of him after the Patriots signed him and I watched his Chargers film, one of the things that jumped out was he doesn't like to wrap a lot. He likes the shoulder tackle and oh, he yeah. did bounce off a couple guys. He did have, he had a knockdown on Fitzpatrick, which caused Gilmore's interception. That was a really nice little stunt. Uh, he came inside. He had his own interception that was forced by Bentley. But I think when you and I talked about some of the big question marks on this team, we talked about the defense because they lost a lot off the defense, like the guys you mentioned. But, I, you know, you look at guys like Chase Winovich, uh, we weren't sure. No one was sure whether and – I, and, I, and judging from Chase's own comments after the game, he had questions about whether he could be an every down starter in this league because he, he basically admitted what we've talked about, that he was just strictly – a, a pass rusher last year, yeah. he did not defend the run very well. And if you don't defend the run well on the edge in this scheme, Belichick's not going to play you. And what happens? He goes out there, and to me, across the board, all positions, he had the most impactful plays in the game. He had seven. Juwan Bentley, we talked about, it, you know, if, if he's not good or he gets hurt, they're done defensively. I thought he was excellent in the game. I thought Dietrich Wise is another guy who – At left end last year, he got caved in a lot in the running game. This time, uh, with more weight, more strength, he was a lot better. He had five-plus plays. Byron Cowart taking over for Danny Shelton and Bo Allen until Allen's back. Made impactful plays in Adrian Phillips, you know, we talked about. And so, you know, I thought the defense – Adrian Phillips for Patrick Chung. I thought the defensive replacements outside of Cam – and I think we got about what we thought we were going to get, Nick, in that game out of out of Cam and the offense, if anybody was paying attention, certainly some of the stuff we saw in the practice field and training camp. But I thought what surprised me, and this was the Dolphins offense that tore up the Patriots defense in Week 17 last year, I thought overall, I thought the replacements did a really nice job. Now, before we move on to something else, let me just say this. It's Week 1 against the Dolphins with a lot of changes, a new offensive line. Let's see what happens on Sunday night in Seattle when Chase Winovich is going up against Dwayne Brown at left tackle instead of Austin Jackson. And so, look, it was all a good start. I thought offensively, I thought another thing that that stood out to me and was my column after the game was just – it just felt like – the happy times are back for the offense after we saw Mr. Mopey last year, all last year, just be <laughs> the most miserable eight and zero quarterback in NFL history by his own admission. And then you have a guy cam who's making nothing in terms of contract. Um, doesn't, has basically the same weapons around him and just look at the attitude difference between the two quarterbacks. And I think, I think that made a big difference. You saw Josh McDaniels fist bumping cam on the sideline. I mean, I don't think him and Brady have done that in years, probably since Brady F-bombed them on the Buffalo sideline. So I thought between that and the defensive replacements showing that they could at least for one week do the job, I thought it was a really good open for the Patriots.
1: Yeah. And I I thought Cam's ability to read what the defense was doing on those read option plays, you know, holding it into the belly to the last, last, last second And that's not, I don't think, the easiest thing to do when you haven't played since, what, week two of last season. And it was like he didn't miss a beat. His reads were perfect, and I thought the most – obvious thing that is important here on Sunday from that Miami game is Cam's health. And if anybody was wondering, and you said, you know, watching him at practice, it was obvious that he seemed like he was healthy. He was good to go. Well, when you run about 19 to 20 miles per hour, they have that whole track thing now. (laughs) And on one of those runs from Cam, he he was running 19 miles per hour, which apparently he hadn't done since like 2018. So the foot certainly, the foot certainly looks good. And that, that pass to the middle of the field to Edelman had plenty of zips, so the shoulder looked fine to me too. So the most important thing to me out of Sunday was Cam is healthy. One last thing before we get to what might worry you a little bit, the offensive line. I know you love talking offensive line. Jermaine Illuminor replacing Marcus Cannon. David Andrews was back. What would you say?
0: Well, if you would have, if you would have told me uh, in the off season that come week one, Isaiah went at left tackle and Jermaine Illuminor at right tackle <laughs> would have clean sheets in terms of uh, having no errors in the game. And while the interior guys had a few each, I would have told you you were crazy. But the the tackles the tackles were outstanding. You barely even noticed them on Sunday. Um, you know, I saw Illuminor basically like pancake a, a linebacker at one point. He, he's got a little bit of an edge, but I thought – I thought they did a tremendous job. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure uh, on on Cam Newton. I think I had them for – the pressure percentage in the game was 16%. That's astronomically low. That's a, I had them only giving up four total quarterback pressures, and, I, and two of those I signed to the team because they were sort of scheme. And that's one other thing I wanted to mention, Nick, about this is that – what you saw offensively, me as sort of like a scheme guy, what I noticed is that this is very much just a bare-bones base of what the Patriots can do offensively. Yeah. Because there were five, six times where I'm, I'm watching the play and I'm just like, well, they, they should have checked out of this. They should have, they should have went to something else. Um, and they didn't do that. I don't think Cam had many of those controls. I assume at some point later on in the season – uh, he will, but I, I think, you know, that was just basically McDaniels calling the play, them running it, it didn't matter. The Dolphins blew up a couple plays just because of that. Some of the some of the run blocking that looked a little bit iffy was actually the lineman didn't have a chance because they were just outnumbered. And if Tom Brady was under center, he would have checked out of that. You would have heard alert, alert, and they would have moved to a different play. And I just don't think right now Cam Newton has those controls. But I assume at some point, he will have those and it will just make the offense that much better.
1: One thing that you have down that worried you a little bit that we haven't discussed yet is the lack of a go runner. And we've talked about the options on this offense or lack thereof guys that don't really uh, show their speed on the field, like a Demir bird. Yep. What do you see with that offense and and how badly could they need one of those
0: guys? Yeah. we, We talked about bird, um, coming into the season. And my worry was that, and I've been hearing from people around the Patriots, they were very excited about him and about the speed and the playmaking that he was going to bring because they saw him as more, uh, as a, as a big upgrade over Philip Dorsett, who was basically a speed guy who didn't play that fast. They saw him more along the lines of what Brandon cooks brought to the offense. And, now, I do want to say it looked like Byron Jones was on Demir Bird a lot that's of the a, games. That's a, tough, that's a tough gig for Bird. <laughs> Jones was – he looked like an all-pro on Sunday. And so maybe that was just a case of, you know, him being shut down by an all-pro, and that's fine, and maybe next week against Seattle he's better. But if, if week one is any indication – Bird is not an upgrade over Philip Dorsett at this point. Ugh. It's pretty much the same thing, and 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 that plays into there were there were multiple plays, and people probably can remember it just you know thinking about it right now. There were multiple plays where the Dolphins had about seven eight guys in the box, and they were basically daring the Patriots to throw. And normally, what you would see in that circumstance is, and they were out playing press man. Brady would alert, and they would go to some sort of vertical whatever. You know, one option you do have on that play is to throw a back shoulder to Nikhil Harry. But really what you need to be a complete offense is you need a guy who you give a quick check to, he goes up along the sideline on a go route, and you just he just dusts them. Right now they don't have that guy. I think if I had a wish list after week one about what they what they would add to this offense – that would put them over the top by the trade deadline. Right now, no question, it is a it is a go-route runner. You know, who knows? If, if the Browns stay in the tank, who knows? OBJ yeah, yeah, might yeah, be, buddy. you know, hey, here I go. I start this week one, and now every <laughs> week I'm going to be asked about it on Twitter. Yeah, but, Fire Dad, it up. but Dad, what about OBJ? Is he coming or what? Got to come to play with Cam, right? He's going to, huh? So, We'll see, but that, that was one of my takeaways was watching this was, man, they're stacking the box. They need a threat. Once they had that threat, you know, all of a sudden you're cooking with gas a little bit. And so uh, that got me a little bit excited. Uh, yes, I'm worried right now, but it got me excited about if they could add the right piece, what might happen with this offense.
1: Yeah, I saw Allen Robinson had taken all of the mentions of the bears off
0: of his social media. So, Oh, here we go. Here we go. There the we Instagram go. Likes and unlikes and sausage emojis. Bring it on. <laughs> here we go. It's only week one. <laughs> Deadline. Uh, if I you had, had a bet, month. would
1: I bet for OBJ or would I bet on uh, Allen Robinson? I, I don't know, but tell us about bet U S Greg, as we get ready to uh, talk about a couple of other things, including, uh, Tampa Bay, and uh, Stefan uh, Gilmore nugget that you have. So uh, first, tell us about BetUS, my man.
0: Yeah. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard from Boston Sports Journal here to tell you why my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I don't know about the Red Sox. I don't know if they're really oh, back. No, no. I would stay away from that. I would, I would stay away. <laughs> I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, US Open this week, get your bets in on that. Horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. This is important because there's a little change. Go to betus.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in Boston Sports Journal in that little area and you can get up to 100 for 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS and so should you. Join BetUS today and don't forget to type in Boston Sports Journal to get your bonus. BetUS.com,
1: BetUS.com. All right, so just quick thoughts. Tampa, I mean, just watching this game Undisciplined effort by this team. I thought Brady's first pick was more on Evans than it was on Brady. And Arians kind of backtracked after throwing. I can't believe Brady under the bus. I
0: I can't believe that Arian threw Brady under the bus without the watching game the for that pick. I, I mean, mean, without watching the I film, I could too. see it. He's got coaches in the booth. They have the replay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you come out and you rip? brady and listen you want to rip brady rip brady what right. you you go out there right after the game and you rip him for that interception and then you come back on monday and say whoops my bad uh I, I didn't really i guess look at the film and understand what really happened on that play hey bruce maybe you should watch the film before you go out there and rip your quarterback publicly but you know that's that that is one of the many examples we'll see and i'm not telling you that this is all going to crumble to the ground but that's one of the many examples that we'll see greg Arians is obviously not Belichick there's no way that Belichick immediately following the game would go out there and say what Arians said about Brady and that's something that Brady has to get used to he has not gone through something like that before not publicly ridiculed by his head coach and here we are week one tough loss against a really good New Orleans team and directly under the bus five minutes into the post game
0: yeah Nick uh, you know I, I wasn't really able to monitor the game because, of course, I was working after the Patriots game. and yeah. so But I saw some of the plays. I saw the pick six. And, you know, I got to admit, I mean, I I like Tom. I've always had a good relationship with Tom. But, you know, part of me, you know, giggled a little bit and, you know, <laughs> at some of his struggles in that game and, and what went on, um, you know, mostly because – you know it drives me crazy when you know somebody goes to a new place and and they're like oh i uh, the joy is back i'm having so much fun and you yeah, know, media people come in and they write that stuff and oh
1: yeah you know. and then gronk looked like he was 23 years yeah. old again and then you see game one and gronk looks like he's 33 years old
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know all that stuff and and that just it just grates on me and and i hate that like i don't care if if you want to go to tampa Go to Tampa. Just I don't need to hear about how great it is until you play a game. Like yeah. don't don't say anything until you play a game, and then we'll see. And but watching the film uh, back, um, I came away. My my impression was more about I thought Tom. I thought the coaching let Tom down, like you talked about. I thought you know I went through it, and I had Brady for nine plus plays you know he yes he got past, i think it was three pass interference calls but those throws were dimes i mean you know they had to interfere they had to stick a hand in or else they would have been big plays um i had them for five minus plays but i had i had the team coaching whatever for at least eight minus plays like just in terms of um you know uh what's his name uh 13 who's the who's the mike evans mike evans st- you know stops on the interception you could hear on the on the broadcast as tom's letting go of the ball he's going oh mike like what are you stopping <laughs> for it's tampa two like it's split safeties run down the middle i mean you mike, had
1: mike mike, mike,
0: mike. yeah 84 ran a terrible slant route cameron breit um that 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 sack that Tom Brady had to take when they had like 15 people in motion and this and that, that's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of the the difference between a Josh McDaniels, who's not an idiot, who's one of the smartest guys in pro football. And then Bruce Arians who just, you know, thinks he can do no wrong him and, and Byron leftwich that was a disaster. Evans had a hold, um, LaShawn McCoy stops running on a wheel route like he's he, he goes out of the backfield this is when Brady sailed it over his head and McCoy he's covered and he just stops running along the sideline <laughs> instead of turning it upfield, which which Brady's that's where Brady threw it um you know I had Brady down for you know a few errors like when he went to Gronk down the middle of the field he had Evans that was not a good route it, in terms of Gronk that's a perfect example of where he is as a route runner they were in Tampa 2 which means the middle linebacker carries him down the field and in his prime Gronk outruns those guys and it's a big play he can't run out outrun outrun those guys anymore i did think by the way i thought Gronk had a really good game blocking so that was that was good to see but just in general it's just you know it's 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 coaching like that they in and, and i think a lot of us talked about it tom was in for a rude awakening i know i when i talked to people around the patriots before Tom made his free agency decision and they talked about like, is he really going to go to Tampa? Like, you know, d- it, is it really going to be better for him? Like, you know, wait till he's coached by Bruce Arians and like Bruce Arians isn't disciplined and doesn't care about anything. Like those little things matter. And it's the reason why the Patriots and Tom Brady were such great winners. And look, I think it's just like the Patriots. I think Tampa's going to get a lot better. They still hung in that game, even though it was a complete dumpster fire of a game for them. Even though I think that says more about the Saints because the Saints tend to do that. But look, it's it's week 1 they'll tighten up some things maybe they do rain some things back after this um, but i i to me that was a coaching failure in new orleans it it was not a failure on tom brady's part
1: yeah and these are things that brady might have taken for granted yep after- You know, he was thinking about leaving and being in New England for upwards of 20 years. Maybe he started to take it for granted. Maybe he thought, oh, well, Arians has been in the league for a while, and those guys will know what they're doing. And Tampa is very undisciplined. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and vouch for Jameis Winston. He made plenty of terrible throws over his Tampa career. But one of the things that Arians does do, he's going to let guys know. And I just, I find it interesting, that dynamic, because I don't think Arians is going to change. I don't think Brady's going to change. So, you know, they've got to get off to a, a pretty good start here because yeah. all of the expectations and stuff, and as you've mentioned and as we've talked about, you know, Brady bitching through a, the 8-0 and start last year and telling Al Michaels how miserable he was. Well, I'll tell you, if Arians keeps throwing him under the bus or keeps just saying what he wants to say, which that's Arians' is right. I mean, if, if you want yep. to say it, say it. you're the head coach but you also have to know your personalities you've got to manage those personalities and you know if they get off to a slow start and that pressure starts to accumulate i could see brady kind of blowing off his top every once in a while as well so it is something to watch i think they'll be okay in the big picture but it is something
0: to keep an eye on i i'll go you one better nick on that i think that you know, you got to remember. Um, not a lot of people know Arian's history because he was in he was in uh, Arizona, and no yeah. one really pays attention. But that one year that they popped and went to the NFC Championship game, they basically came out of nowhere to do that. The next year, they were. I think when I, when I was at Sports Illustrated, I named them. Uh, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl that year, and they went like I forget what it was five and eleven. Yeah, they or went something bad. like that. <laughs> it, it, it was bad. But here's the thing. So he retires for health reasons or whatever in Arizona after um, he, he can't get them, you know, back up the mountain, you know, with expectations. He's terrible with expectations. But so then Tampa hires him. And what's his job in Tampa? To fix Jameis Winston. And what happened? Jameis Winston got even worse to the point where he's a backup in New Orleans now. So Arians failed with, with Jameis Winston. Now, all of a sudden, Tom Brady comes to Tampa. It it doesn't look good in week one. If it continues not to look good, who do you think is going to get the blame? Do you think Bruce Arians is going to sit back there and say, like, Belichick, we need to coach it better, I'm doing a terrible job coaching, all that stuff? Hell no. You know, Bruce Arians has to be the genius, the quarterback whisperer, and he is going to throw Tom Brady under the bus. And also, if this starts to go bad, because in this game – it looked a lot like the Patriots' offense. There were some of there were some of the wrinkles that that Arians likes to do, but it was a lot of what Tom Brady likes to do. If this starts to look bad, how long do you think it's going to take till Bruce Arians says, "You know what? We scored a crap ton of points last year. We always have in my offense doing it my way." Well, Tom, you know what? We're not we're no longer going to do it your way. The guys are confused. They don't know what they're doing. We're going to go back to our offense. Wait, wait till that happens and see how that goes. So they, I think you're, you're exactly right to point out the dynamic between the two, and I think it has a chance to go really, really bad at some point.
1: And I think you get the idea of Arians because just yesterday when he's talking to the media, he had about 24 hours removed from the game and he brings up practice and he says, well, you know, Brady looks great at practice. And then it's Not really unusual. It's really unusual to see him play the way he played during a yeah. game or whatever he said. Again, that's kind of putting the, and I don't even say kind of that is putting the onus on the quarterback. And, and maybe it was more on Brady. You're saying it wasn't, you're saying it nope. was more on the coaching and there's Arians saying after a day removed from the loss, well, he looked great at practice, which tells me, Hey, you know, He was looking great at practice. We had it all figured out as a staff. We went out there, and he just couldn't execute. That's what it came across to me as, is, again, putting it on Brady's plate. Quickly, before we get to our bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day, I do want to ask you about Gilmore. We talked about Gilmore last week. I had said, you know, The Tredavious White contract, the Jalen Ramsey contract. I thought it was only a matter of time before Gilmore made a little bit of noise behind the scenes for a bump in pay, in the very least. And, you know, hey, the sun shines on a dog's butt every once in a while. I was right. Gilmore gets the bump.
0: What have you heard? So I don't know the exact mechanisms, the timings, the threats, any of that stuff. But what I can tell you, and I wrote about it this weekend. And then after I wrote what I wrote, I even got further confirmation. But basically what happened was in the off season, Gilmore and his representation, let it be known to the Patriots that he wanted to raise. Um, normally when that happens, it does not go over well with bill. Yeah. And step number one is, well, well, I'm going to try to trade your ass, and they did. They tried to trade him, just like Deion Branch. They tried to.
1: Could you imagine the reaction in New England if they dealt the Defensive Player of the Year? Even though Belichick has the resume, but could you imagine?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought it was it was crazy. Some people brought it up at the time. Um, When you look at it cap wise, the Patriots actually would have saved about three million on the cap. But once they couldn't find any takers for Gilmore. Belichick was left the decision. Well, what do I do? Do I release him? And then do I do I risk him going to Kansas City, Baltimore, Houston, Buffalo? Like any of those yeah. teams could yep. have seen so so it's so Belichick was left with a choice basically. And and I gotta tip the cap to Gilmore and his rep- representation. They played hardball with the Patriots. They had their leverage. He was defensive player of the year. They knew Anybody would pick him up if the Patriots uh, decided to to release Gilmore. And so at the end of the day, Belichick had to swallow everything and give him the extra $5 million. Uh, yeah, I think it's $2.5 in salary and, and more in incentives. But Belichick had to give him that um, – you know, at the end of the day. And so, um, you know, not many people go toe to toe with Belichick at the negotiating table and win. So my hat is off uh, to Stefan Gilmore. And uh, I, I just got to say he better play better than he did on Sunday or else maybe those trade talks will be revived someplace.
1: No. And you know, when you, when you look at Gilmore again, the argument I think for Belichick would be, well, we've got a lot of depth in that secondary. And I think JC Jackson might be able to be our number one corner, you know? So, Hey, if there's one spot and I'm not saying I would trade Gilmore, I would not trade Gilmore. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if there's one spot that you could defend the idea of maybe dealing to get something back, it would be that secondary because they're pretty much loaded. Uh, one thing we didn't bring up was I thought Joe on Williams was pretty good against the tight end position, which was one of the major questions we had when Patrick Chung opted out. All right, let's jump to the uh, Boston Sports Journal.com member question of the day. Uh, check them out over at BSJ for 11 cents a day on their annual plan. You have access to Greg, Sean McAdam, Brian Robb, Connor Ryan, Dr. Jessica Flynn, and many more to come. Boston Sports coverage the way you remember it no clickbait, no BS, no politics, just straight top notch analysis. Of your teams from a team for from a team and company that is all New England easy for me to say. All right, let's go to uh, Jay Gillespie as the BostonSportsJournal.com member of the day. Send Michelle packing. Would someone give up a
0: two? Tune it to Philly for Ertz. Who would do it? He wants to start trading people. <laughs> of course he does. I mean, look, you have. You have two camps, the Sony camp and the non-Sony camp. Obviously, I'm a non-Sony camp. Mostly, it has nothing to do with Sony. I just don't believe in running backs in the first round. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I do think – I thought that Sony had a couple of um, tough runs inside. You know, they were only for like three or four yards. But they had him run into stacked boxes a couple times and that he got positive yards. Uh, that's that's a good sign. Um, you know, I, I just think – I just think the Patriots aren't in the business of of trading anybody in the backfield at any point. I mean, if anybody wants to come, certainly if somebody wants to offer a second round pick, I think they would take it in a heartbeat. Um, you know, Zach Ertz, uh, <laughs> Zach Ertz for Tooney. Uh, we'll see. I didn't think Tooney got off to the greatest start in Week One. Uh, that's my guy, but I didn't think uh, I thought that was a, actually a little bit of a rough game for him. Just two errors, but that's a rough game for him at this point. Um, but I, I just think. I don't think the Patriots are in the market to trade anybody. That you don't know how things are going to go with injuries in this season. I do think that if, if things continue and they're a good team, I still week one doesn't change anything. I still think they're a ten and sixteen, and it's going to be a dogfight in the division. Yeah, but, you know, if they're still in it and and you know and battling their way in the AFC East, I think they're going to be buyers at the deadline. And and sure. Tooney, you have to look at Tooney with that salary, $14.5 million. And especially with you what we saw from him on Sunday, the rookie getting in at right tackle, he's more of a guard. So if they if they like him that much that they got him in the mix, uh, you know, maybe it's possible. Furl Holt's another guy who did a great job in training camp. So uh, I don't totally rule out a, a, a trade of Tooney at some point, um, but – you know, I think the Patriots are going to let the, a lot of this play out.
1: Yeah, and of course, you know, Ertz, he's not happy with the contract negotiations in Philly, and they've got Dallas Goddard, who yep. got off to a great start this past weekend. So maybe just maybe Ertz could become available. Well, one game down, one win in the season for the Patriots, 21-11 to against Miami on Sunday down at Gillette. Of course, we have, I think, a much tougher game coming up, game two of the season, Sunday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. That's what we're going to focus on during the next podcast. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com. Again, coming up next, we've got Seattle versus New England Sunday night. It's going to be fun. Till then, everybody be safe and stay healthy.